0: Oh, there we go. Sorry. But uh, when that song came out, I got sick of it. But the message of the song wasn't new. Jesus talked about it over 2,000 years ago. And uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, which we're continuing, by the way, this morning, <laughs> in case you didn't know. But Jesus was, was saying, wasn't saying, Don't worry, be happy. But why do you worry? Why do you worry? I know that we live in a society where that's our number one <coughs> thing that we do. Our favorite pastime is worrying. And now this record—the record sold millions, but it didn't do a whole lot to change anybody's life. We run around singing it and whatever, but we're not happy and we still worry. So the song, we, you know, it was kind of fun <coughs> when it first come out, but after the so many times, like you said, I got tired of hearing it. But um, so Matthew 6:24 through 34. The thing about this, this message we're talking about, uh, about now is we're going to learn that if I don't have enough to worry about, now I have to worry about worrying. Matthew six, twenty-five 25 to 30, well, 39, but we're going to have to split it up. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. In the King James, it says, take no thought about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not is not life more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you more are you not are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not yet Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the fields, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will will give unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, each day does have enough trouble of its own, doesn't it? Now, this is part 26 in our Sermon on the Mount, in case you're keeping track. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't mean that uh, I couldn't. Today, the, all those verses today's, you know, kind of a... Kind of a bunch together type thing, so I'm not going to be able to, tear you know, go into each one, delve into them as much as maybe as I'd like, because I don't think you want to sit here till church tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, but you kind of get the overview of it because I want to get the whole context of it before, before I start looking at it. Uh, next slide, uh, Matthew six, twenty-five a. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Worry in the Greek here actually means anxious worry. There's a difference between worry and anxious worry. Now, when our kids were little, and I know that maybe some of your kids is, you know, in that category, when they walk to school the first day, you know, that's hard on them parents. And, you you know, they want to be big, so, you know, you have to let them go and and do that. So we worry about it, but not to the degree of being so worried about it we are obsessed with it. And we have to half hide them and follow them to school, make sure they got there all the time. When we do that, it ruins our life, and it ruins theirs too, if the kid sees you. But they think they're so big, and they're getting to go to school for the first time. And it's okay to be concerned, especially in this society we live in. It's very discerning. But uh, I think that most kids walk together in groups, and hopefully you've told your kids the things they need to know. Don't talk to strangers. Don't take anything from strangers. And uh, if they come close to you, get away. So those kind of things we need to do as parents to protect them. But we can't be so obsessed and worried about our kids that we have no life. And there are parents that do that. They are so obsessed with their kids and worried about them that they can't do anything else. And that's kind of the thing that Jesus is talking about in these verses because there's a huge difference between concern and anxious worry. I'm concerned about a lot of things in this world, but I try not to worry about (laughs) them. Like I said, it's hard enough to do some of the things that we do without worrying. With that, uh, that anxiousness in our hearts. But see, everything boils back to if Jesus wants us to do something, he can He enables us to do it. We don't have to be anxious about something because he's in charge. And we don't have to worry about it anymore and our kids have to worry about the things in their life. The kids don't worry about uh, what's going to be on the table. They don't worry about the shoes. They don't worry about any of this stuff because they know mom and dad will take care of it. And we, as God's kids, need to, need to know the same thing. Uh, so Jesus spends these 10 verses explaining why we shouldn't worry. In uh, Matthew six twenty-five, get the whole verse here. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Now Jesus starts his message on this subject with the basic needs of life, the things that we basically need. We need to have food, clothing, and shelter. Isn't that right? Those are the basic things that we have. He doesn't start by saying, don't worry about where your next car is going from, coming from. He says, don't worry about where your next meal is going, is going to come from. He doesn't say, don't worry about whether you have Levi's or Reeboks to wear. He says, don't worry if you don't have anything to wear. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about these things. We need to be concerned about food, clothing, and shelter. We, all, we need all those things. So we need to be concerned with them, but we don't have to be obsessed with the idea of being able to, to strive for them. And there's, there's a difference. I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And um, see, a good way to look at it is that somebody you know may be really worried about something that's going on in their life, but you may be concerned, but you're not obsessed like they are. There's the difference. So we, And they're not our problems. They're God's problems. When we realize that things become easier, uh, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> you know, we're all sitting around in rocking chairs when we when we obsess over over things in life that we don't need to obsess with. We sit there and we just obsess over. We think about it, and we're not getting anywhere with it. Uh, it uh, takes a lot more energy to worry than it does anything else. That energy we need to use somewhere else. If, if we spend as much time talking about God as we do worrying, the world would be evangelized very quickly. Yeah. And uh, we spend more time, a lot of times, worrying than we do in church or doing anything else in our life or at work. We worry. Even when we're working, we're worrying about stuff and that. But uh, a man walked, worked at a car dealership selling cars on commission. And every once in a while, they'd get a new salesman who just wasn't cut out for commission sales. It wasn't that he couldn't sell on straight salary, they were terrific. But when the next paycheck depended on their performance, they spent so much time worrying about the next sale, they usually missed it. The pressure. It w- when there's pressure on us to do certain things, it hinders us and can't and we can't do the things that God wants us to do because we're obsessed with it. But when we let it go and let God take care of this stuff, it becomes easier. Now Jesus begins his, his message by giving us a couple examples to Ill- illustrate his point. In Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much much more valuable than they? Now, some people, they look at this verse and they think, see, all I got to do is sit around with my remote and let God take care of me. We have a lot of people like that, don't we? I'm a Christian, so therefore, here I am. I'm going to sit here and wait for the Lord to come and do nothing, and if I'm hungry, he'll feed me. If I need clothes, somebody will lock on my door and give them to me, and all this stuff. That isn't what this verse is talking about at all. This has nothing to do with employment, what we do for a job. It has nothing to do with those kind of things. It has to do with the attitude of our hearts. Now, I know I've, I've met a lot of people that uh, they, they say, I trust God, and then they go around, and they do everything they can to hinder their life. They spend all their money on stuff, and then when the bills come due, they say, oh, well, God will provide. Now, uh, and it, it's hard for people to understand they can't do that. I think the best thing that God could do for them is not provide. So then maybe they'll learn their lesson. Because <coughs> the people like that, they always have a plan B. And it isn't God. If they had God as their plan A, they wouldn't need a plan B. Because God wouldn't let us squander our money on stuff that we don't need. I mean, if you need shoes, you shouldn't be out there going to the movies. Shouldn't be spending money on on that. I don't know what movie tickets cost. I haven't been to a movie in uh, how many years. I can't even remember. Can you? Probably. Huh? Star Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, we saw. So. So the, you, can tell, you can tell how long ago it's been since I've been in a theater. So, but buying tickets, I think they're, what, 10, 10 12 bucks. 12 are? What does it cost? They're, they're $14 to go to the movie. Wow, a couple goes, there's $28. You can buy a pair of shoes for $28. May, maybe not Nikes. Oh, wow. Then you got to buy popcorn, and there's more money. Uh, so, But we have people that go do those things, and then they haven't got no money for food. And they go crying to their family. Oh, Dad, help me. There's one thing when you're doing things and and things don't fall in line to do that, but another thing to blow all your money and then expect God to fill in. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Like I said, the best of the lesson they could learn is by not helping them and they have to work it out themselves. Because it's hard. It's hard. We trust God. We don't do those kind of things because That's stupid to do those kind of things in reality. And I think it is, maybe you don't. But I trust God, but I trust, I've i trusted him all my life and I've worked with my hands. That's what God is, trusting God to help you work with your hands. <coughs> now Christ wasn't talking about employment here, he was talking, <coughs> talking about worrying. Now we don't have to watch birds very long to realize that they don't have a life of ease. They don't lay around and sit there and say, oh worm, jump in my mouth. I'm here. They don't do that. They have to go out and find, find food to eat every day. And they have to uh, go out and find twigs to make their nest with. And so God, through this, is showing us that, hey, we don't just sit around and do nothing. There's things that we have to do. And, of course, then the birds have to avoid the cats. Now, if God wanted us to lay around and do nothing and trust him, he would have used a dog in this verse. Because <laughs> they don't do anything for themselves. You know, we feed them, we take them to the doctor, we do all this kind of stuff, and what do they do? They lay around, lay on your lap and love, just love you and lick your face, and which is okay. But that's why he didn't use that for, to use a dog, because they had dogs around, and they're probably similar to the way we treat our dogs, part of our family. But they lay around, but birds don't. They have to go out there, and they have to forage every single day for their needs. And they don't worry about the worm that they may got to get tomorrow, As they're chewing on this worm, say, oh, man, this is a great worm, but what am I going to eat tomorrow? I haven't seen a bird do that. Have you seen a bird walking up and down the front of you going, oh, man, what am I going to do for a worm tomorrow? What am I going to do for a worm tomorrow? What am I going to do for a worm? You know, it's kind of crazy, but that's the reality we are. That's why Jesus used that example, because it made sense to them. See, Jesus preached the way I like to when I can, is give you an example. That example wasn't in my notes, it was extra. But, uh, <coughs> but that's reality, he's trying to teach us that. Now verse, uh, let's see, Matthew six twenty-eight and 29. It says, uh, and why do you worry about clothes? See the, how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now I don't know whether you've ever been in the mountains or different places where they've had wildflowers growing. You know, the whole place is just covered with flowers. And nobody planted them. God planted them. And they're beautiful. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to sit there and worry about growing or anything because God took care of them. Yeah. Now, they've had these, uh, oh, I guess it's a Egyptian plant. I guess it is. It has these beautiful white flowers on them. Have you seen them? Oh, man, those are really gorgeous weeds. <laughs> and your horse don't want to get around them because they're not good for them. And they make them go local, I guess. <laughs> huh? Yeah, so, you, you know, you don't want horses around them, but they're beautiful. Look at, aren't they? And they didn't do anything and say, oh, man, I hope I can get a flower today. If I get a flower on me, nobody will step on me. Doesn't happen, see? But God takes care of that. Now, I don't know whether when Jesus was, was preaching this sermon, or this particular area of the sermon, whether the hillside they were sitting on, we've been to this place where, they, where this happened, and it's kind of like a natural amphitheater, and maybe that whole hillside was covered with these wildflowers. So he used that as an example to hit home his point. See? See these flowers over here? They don't have to do anything, and yet God takes care of them. That's what he uses for an example. Now, if we agree that God created everything, created the flowers, and he created us, then why do we have to worry about whether God's going to take care of us? But yet we worry, and, w- and we waste our time and destroy hell and everything else on this worry and uh, got Jesus is over and over again emphasizing, don't worry, uh, Matthew 6, 27. Can anyone, any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No one can. Has anybody found this to be true? No, when you worry, you lose an hour yeah. or you lose two hours. And your stomach's in it all twisted inside you because you're worrying. Now, I'm talking about concern. Remember, there's difference. Obsession over something. There's, there's the difference. But we can't change anything with it. And we can't add an inch to the day. If they could, all these people who are on deathbed would, would be worrying for eternity because they just want to hang on. But you can't. Worrying does not add any time to your life. Actually, it takes away from your life is what it does. Uh, s- worry isn't only needless for a believer, it's useless. Worry doesn't change a thing. The most useless thing we can do, especially as believers, is worry. Be anxious about all this stuff that God promised to take care of us. Everything we worry about falls into two categories. Something we can do something about or something we can't. The secret is if we can do something about it, then do it. But if we can't do anything about worrying, then worrying about it, it isn't going to solve the problem. See, the problem is some people know that they can do something about the situation, but they're too lazy. Or they don't want to face it. They're afraid of, of f- 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 facing the fact that maybe there's something I could do. Or oh, man, I don't know. I can't. Got to trust God. I'm not doing it. I don't know what it is. But there's two th- two ways to look at things. If you can change it, change it. If you can't, hey, then don't worry about it. Because if you can't change it, there ain't nothing you can do. So you might as well enjoy your life. Otherwise, you'll spend waste all that time you're worrying about that, and you'll never ever. Enjoy your life when you're when you're obsessed with different things. If <coughs> you ever had a piece of steak that's so tough, the longer you chew it, the bigger it gets. <laughs> you ever had one of those? You sit there oh. and you said, Well, pretty soon I'm just gonna break it up and whatever, and you just chew and chew and chew and chew. You can't never chew it up. So you have to finally spit it out. Well, worry's kind of like that. You know, the more you chew on it, the tougher it gets, and the harder it is, and the more time it consumes in your life. You gotta spit it out. Because you can't swallow it and it'll choke to death. <laughs> so we got to quit chewing on these issues and these problems and be obsessed over all this stuff because it's harmful to us as a believer, and, and it shows lack of faith, too. When we can't trust God, we're, we're calling God a liar, basically. That's what we're saying. God, you're a liar. Don't leave you to meet this need. I don't think you can. <coughs> it's like a guy who had a flat tire on a back road late at night and then discovered that his jack was missing. And as he starts down the long road to a farmhouse in the distance, he gets to thinking, what happens if there has been a a lot of break-ins around here lately? And what if the farmer hears me and thinks I'm a burglar? And what if he brought himself a couple of pit bulls for protection? And what if when I arrive, he doesn't give me a chance to explain who I am, and when I knock on the door, he turns the dogs loose on me? Well, the closer he got to the farm, the more he was convinced himself that the very worst was going to happen. So when he finally got to the house, he beat on the door, and when the farmer answered, the guy shouted, I don't want your stupid jack anyway, and stormed back to his car. (laughs) You know, we laugh at that story, but that's what we do all the time, isn't it? We, in our mind, play out all these events, and none of them are good. Have you ever played out an event that you're worrying about and you never do the good one? Because we have all these choices we sit there and think, well, there's nothing good about this, so I'm just going to worry about it. And then we think about it that way, and then pretty soon, well, that's not bad enough, so i got to think about it another way that's worse. <laughs> that's what we do. We're just like that guy. I don't need your Jack, anyway. And we go on our way, and I do without. Now, we're detrimental to our health. Now, America is characterized by two diseases, two things, ulcers and heart disease. And both of them, they say, are stress-related. And we say stress, well, yeah, I heard that word. We live in a world that's full of stress and we're oppressed and everything's on every side and, and all those things that are going on. That's the world we live in. But we don't have to let it destroy us. We don't have to worry about it because you can only do what you can do. Sheldon's always saying it is what it is. When, you accept, when we can accept that, that's good. Now, some Christians don't drink or smoke because they're harmful to their bodies and not something they think that Christians should do, but they will spend more, a lot of time worrying and being anxious, which is worse, <laughs> which is worse. It's all in the same boat. It's harmful to your body. It's harmful to your health. So why do we do it? I think deep down we hate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> they call cigarettes, what are they, coffin nails or something? In nails in the coffin. Everything you smoke when you're putting another nail in your coffin. I used to... I, I'm surprised I didn't have my coffin nailed shut before I quit. But, <laughs> but we do the same thing with, with worry because it'll put us in an early grave. Now maybe we want to be in an early grave. If you want to die young, worry. But then you'll die young and you won't enjoy your life. See, the life that you have, it doesn't matter how many years you have, it's how many li- years you enjoyed life. And with God, you can enjoy life to the fullest no matter how long you live. We have a choice. It's amazing the things that God allows us to do. Worry is also blind. The one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Not true? Well, the same thing happens applies to worry. We worry and worry and worry. It doesn't change history. We're just bound to repeat it. They call it history, and it's a circle. We're bound to repeat it. We're supposed to learn history so we don't repeat it. But we do. We've just fallen that rut and just automatic go from this point to that point. have no choice. But we can break that. We can break that curse in our lives because worry, that's what it does. It just puts us in that, on that treadmill. You know, you can run as fast as you want, but you're never going to go anywhere unless you slip and you go backwards. <laughs> that might be fun. For, not for me. Not for me. I don't want to do that. I think I've done that once. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Why don't you go off there? <laughs> so anyway, we can. <laughs> but that's what worrying is. We just run, run, exhaust ourselves, and we never go anywhere. We're in the same place. Doesn't get us anywhere. I mean, it's good exercises. You know. Then you can go eat an ice cream afterwards. But uh, <laughs> but if we kept track of everything that we've worried about and are worrying about, we're going to find out we already worried about that thing once, or twice, or three times. So why do we, wouldn't you worry about it again? We're repeating history. We want to repeat our worries. And God says you don't have to worry. I'm going to take care of you. And that's what we need to realize. God will take care of us. Now, God didn't forsake me yesterday, and he will not forsake me today or tomorrow. Amen. If I believe... And God, and He took care of me yesterday. I can believe Him take care of me today and in the future, because we have history to tell us that He is. But we don't like history. We want to start anew every day and worry. We got our checklist in the morning. We do get up, have coffee, worry, toast and worry, coffee and worry, driving to work and worry, worrying about what you're going to do at work when you get there. Man, that's a, I, a man. We ought to take that word out of our vocabulary because we overused it. <clears throat> so we need to realize that God loved us so much that he sent Christ for us to die for us, so if he did that for us, what makes us think he can't feed us and clothe us and take care of us? Crazy. Yeah. What we need to do is look at all the things that we've worried about in the past and say, I've already worried about those things, so it's useless to spend any more time on them now. God has been good, and there is no reason for us to suspect that he's going to change his mind about it. Is that true? that true? So look at your past, see how God come through for you. And I have had a lot of things, you know, I was concerned about. And I know I've mentioned this, you know, when I, I got laid off one job. We were paying two, two plane payments, and we only got the planes just so we didn't have to pay so many taxes because the government, what we paid the government, paid for the planes until they changed the rules, of course, and that really hurt us. But And I'm going, man, I got all these payments and stuff like that, and I'm concerned about it. And I'm going, oh my God, what am I going to do? And it's, it's a legitimate concern when you don't have a job And you have bills to pay, it's hard. And then we had Christmas coming up, and I was concerned about that because the kids don't understand that mom got laid off from work, and they don't understand bills. Isn't that right, parents? They don't understand that. When my kids were little, they asked me for something. I said I didn't have any money. They said write a check. (laughs) They think that all you got to do is write a check, and that's it. You know, they don't understand that you got to have money in the bank before you can write that check. (laughs) But that's what they think, well, just write a check. (laughs) So sometimes you've been in that position, and I know that maybe everyone here has been there well, at least one time in your life where <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, God created money for me. I have told you he multiplied it. I had money set aside. You know, I take a little bit here, a little bit there, trying to save up a little bit for, for Christmas, and uh, he multiplied it. He paid all the bills, and then the next month, I had the best job I've ever had in my life. I loved that job. I hated it when I got laid off from that one. <laughs> One of the best jobs I ever had was that one. But I gave it to God because I couldn't change anything. But God can even make money. He put a coin coin in the mouth of a fish for Peter. So he can put a coin in wherever you need it put. But that doesn't mean we go out and blow everything and say, God will put a coin in my bank account. Don't you count on it. He expects you to be faithful stewards. Remember, to be a steward means you don't own anything. So when you're being wasteful with your money... You're being wasteful with God's money. See, God puts you in charge of your money, and he wants to make sure you use it the way he would use it. And when we do that, we don't have to worry about anything because he'll take care of it. He'll multiply all the things that we need in order to uh, to survive. Not only survive, but to flourish. He said, I'd provide you more abundantly than we can, to give you anything more than we can ask or think. I know that in the, in the uh, what is it, Star Wars thing and, Princess is trying to get Han Solo to help her, and he promised she promised him a reward. He says, there's a reward, and he goes, well, how much of a reward? He says, more than you can imagine. He says, no, I can imagine a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the way we are. We, I can imagine a lot. <laughs> so if you can imagine not having something, try imagining you do, <laughs> takes less energy, and it Picks you up. Because when you're when you don't have money to pay your bills, it's getting closer to the first, and you're going, Whoa, man, what am I gonna do? Look back, what did you do last month? God provided, He'll provide again. So I like that. I like that about God. Uh, let's see, Matthew 6 32. He said, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. The pagans in here, are unbelievers. See, when we worry and are so obsessed with stuff, we're acting like unbelievers. And it's a bad testimony to the world. As believers, we don't have to worry about it. We say, God's going to meet my needs. And when I'm doing the things I need to do, God will do the things he needs to do. We was talking about this in Sunday school a little bit. You know, there's things we have to do. Like when the priests, they went across Jordan, they had to put their foot in the water before they parted. They could have stood there all day long and worried about whether well, that's going to open or not. And so I'm going to starve to death till there's opens. How am I going to get over there? I can't get there. There's water here. And the priest had to be the one with the most faith because they had to take the step. Actually, they were obedient. They told him to step in the water, and they did. They didn't question it. How many times has God asked you to step in the water, and you won't? You stand there and figure out, trying to figure out how you're going to get it done. Step in the water, and he'll roll it back. There's things we have to do. And we do it in faith. When we do it in faith, God honors our faith. He meets the needs when they need to be met. There's all kinds of ways God meets needs. i Am not going to go into that? You can just spend time thinking about how many, th- how different ways that God meets needs. Don't worry. Think about that. Maybe you can find a way in there that will meet your need that he's going to use. But a lot of things we worry about never happen. I mean, we look at the worst in every situation. And... It never happens that way. And we've wasted all that worry for nothing. But hey, we're good at it. You know, I got a degree in worrying and obsessing over things. And I know you do too. I've seen you at this college, University of Worry. (laughs) (laughs) And we start at a young age and we continue in the education of worry. (laughs) Especially in the world we live in because that's it. We sit around and worry about all these things. And they worry about where they're going to get their next meal. They worry about what they're going to do for to meet their needs, because they don't have God, but we have God. And if He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, you need to ask Him to sell one because you need the money. I've done that. I say, God, I need one of those cows that You own to sell it. I've never done without. Things have been awful, struggling sometimes. God didn't say He wouldn't struggle, meet our needs. Now, and your need might not be a, a T-bone steak. It might be a little piece of a hamburger. But actually, I like hamburgers a lot, of, sometimes better than a steak, haven't you? You, you know, you got and eat steaks and chewed on them, and they got bigger and bigger and bigger, but hamburgers. Have you ever had that problem with a hamburger? I haven't. So we need to not worry about it. We just need to eat what God provides for us, do what God provides for us, and take care of all this stuff. And then when we do that, then God will throw in a steak here and there. He wants us to eat steak, but if we can't trust him for hamburger, how are we ever going to trust him for a steak that costs $10 a pound? Of course, they got them on sale at Glacier's for $6.99, I heard. i seen the sign, if you're interested. But even $6.99 a pound, I can't believe the price of meat. Now, I remember when hamburger was four pounds for a dollar. And you're going, wow, I wish that was now. Me too. <laughs> but things were a lot cheaper then. You get four or five loaves of bread for a dollar. Now the bread we buy is almost $3 a loaf. Of course, we don't need a lot of bread, so it's all right, a piece of toast every day or something. But, man, I will do on man, this stuff's expensive. But God can meet your needs. You don't have to worry about it. He's already taken care of it. Let's see, uh, Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Friends and family are going to disappoint us, though. We need to understand that. See, we kind of treat God the same way friends and families do. They disappoint us. They let us down. And so we treat God the same way. And God says, hey, don't do that. I'm not them. I'm not your friends. I'm not your, your family members in that aspect. I'm the one that made everything and created everything, and I can take care of you. When we say, when we're about something, we're doubting God. And doubt is a sin. (coughs) <coughs> Matthew 6.33, but f- seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, Jesus gives us two solutions to worry. The first is to seek after the kingdom. Now, Jesus keeps coming back to this principle throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. He coming back to this. Because w- when we're focused on doing things he wants us to do, all this other stuff doesn't bother us so much. He says, seek the kingdom first. Thanks, think my will. Seek the things that I want you to do first. And I'll take care of all this extra stuff. Uh, That's what he wants us to do. And he keeps coming back to us and keeps hammering it with his principle. And have you ever noticed that when we're busy, we don't worry as much? Idleness is the devil's workshop. And if it isn't, you're not out there doing things you shouldn't do. You are in your mind. You're worrying about stuff. Worrying about how am I going to pay my direct TV bill. (laughs) Worry about, How am I going to put gas in my car? At least gas now is cheaper. But don't worry about it. If it goes up, it goes up. That means God has to give you more to make up for it. And he will if we just trust him and believe. The people that did miracles that you read about in the Bible, they believed. They didn't doubt in their heart. They believed. And when they believed, stuff happens. And yet that's the hardest thing for us to do because we want to do it ourselves, don't we? I want to do it my way. Wow, I want to be able to brag about what I did. Well, doing it your way is going to be bragging on worry and concern. I want to do it God's way. When we do it God's way, everything else falls into place. And it's a lot easier and saves energy. I don't have to worry about all this stuff. When I worry, I'm choosing to. I'm choosing to doubt God. I'm not seeking his kingdom. I'm trying to figure out a way out of my mess, even though I know there isn't no way. And it wastes energy and wastes time. But if we seek his kingdom I say, God, I'm just giving it to you. That's what we do as the last resort. We give it to God, don't we? The last thing we do, I can't do anything else anymore. I've tried everything, whatever, and I'm worried about this and concerned about it. I guess I'll let God take care of it. Should have started out with that and saved all the in between. But we like to worry. I don't know why we do, though. So no matter how worthwhile our pursuits may seem, our major pursuit needs to be the kingdom of God. (coughs) The second thing that Christ tells us to do is to take life one day at a time. The rest of our life may seem like a long time, especially if you're a young person. Man, they think, look at me and look at how old I am. I think, man, you're old. Wow. I don't know no people live that long. But to them, life is I think, a long road ahead of them. And if we start looking at what we're looking so much in the future, in next next year, what we're going to do, or next the ten years or forty years from now, we're we're losing today. We're putting every all our energy in tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. Did you know that? Tomorrow never comes, because when tomorrow when we're when we're tomorrow at tomorrow, it's actually today. And then there's another tomorrow. So tomorrow never comes, but God tell take care of the today. And besides that, when we try to map out the rest of our life and things don't fall into that, it will drive us crazy. There's a plaque uh, that said, Yard by yard, life is hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. Just like the Super Bowl. All they had was a yard. They had four ways to get it. They could have got a couple inches at a time, but no, they got to throw an interception, run it. But see, when we don't look beyond too far in the future, and we look at just today, inch by inch, we can do that. Because it's easy to believe God for the next minute. I trust God for the next minute. I trust God for the next hour. I can trust God for this minute I'm living in. And that's what God wants to do. But I sit there and look at all the things. 20 years from now, am I going to be able to trust God? Because look at the world. Look at all the things going on. I might not be able to have a job. And on and on and on and on. So you've ruined your future, and you've ruined your present, and it's harmful to your health. Uh, Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own, doesn't it? Yeah. Man, why do I want to worry about next week when today have enough issues in today? Now, we had a, a verse in, in Sunday school, it's not going to be on my list because I it, um, I didn't plan on using this verse, but I'm going to use this in Philippians 4, 6, and it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious, don't be over worried about things, don't be concerned, so concerned that you can't do anything, seek him with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known with Thanksgiving and prayer, do all these things that you need to do. Then you won't worry. When you're praising God, you don't worry. It's hard to worship God and worry. You can't. You can't do both things at once. I don't care how good you are and how good of a multitasker you are. When we're, you know, praising and worshiping God, we can't, we, we can't worry. It just doesn't room in there for it. And that's what God wants us to do. In the Talmud, and remember that's the rules to live by for the Jewish people, it says, do not worry over tomorrow's evils, for you know not what t- today will bring forth. Perhaps tomorrow you will not be alive, and you will have worried for a world that will not be yours. A guy by the name of Mark Lowry, I think we know that. I think he sings with the, on the, oh, can't even think of the name now. But just went blank. But anyway, he's a singer. He said, I don't worry because whether I worry or not, everything is either going to get better, worse, or stay about the same. it's going to be the same or different it doesn't matter (laughs) and we can't control it all we can do is trust God in the moment in the minute the now we live in the now so we don't need to worry in the now because God will take care of past the now and he'll take care of the now the question is does God care does God care about us enough to take care of us he emptied heaven for us, so I think that all the other things that we need, he cares enough to provide, just like a good parent's going to provide for their kids. Uh, my kids never worried about anything when they were growing up. They're spoiled, spoiled rotten kids, but <laughs> they didn't worry about nothing because they knew we'd take care of them. They didn't worry about whether it's going to have anything to eat. There's always going to be cereal in the cupboard and milk in the fridge and whatever they didn't worry about all that stuff. And they knew that there's going to get school clothes and, and stuff. Now, I may have been concerned about it, but they weren't. And the same reality is God's our Father. And Jesus came and died to provide for us. Amen. So we don't have to worry about this stuff. When we do, we're wasting energy, energy that might be applied to productive things. Ladies, if we cleaned house, instead of worrying, our house would not have a speck of dust in it, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> we spend so much time doing it. Can we trust God just for 24 hours? Can you trust God for 24 hours? Can we trust God to take care of us today? Can we trust him to take care of us tomorrow? Not yesterday, because yesterday tells us how he did take care of us. We can trust him to take care of us today, can't we? And don't worry, be happy. Don't be anxious over anything. Don't be overly overly obsessed with this stuff because it's going to change the way God wants it to change. God's going to have his will is going to be done one way or the other. It's going to be done. So, why worry about it? Especially if we're not in control. And we're not <laughs> over the things of this world. We are not in control. I can't control anything. You know, I could be going home and obeying the speed limit, doing everything like that, and somebody come over, come that isn't obeying the speed limit and driving on the wrong side of the road and hits me. Doesn't matter whether I'm right, I can be dead right. Dead. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I can't change those things. So, I'm not going to worry about them and obsess about them. Now, don't obsess about driving home and somebody hitting you. because remember most of the things we worry about